Welcome to the Core Women Podcast, the place for women entrepreneurs, authors, and self-starters looking to build community and gain valuable insights through expert interviews with women at the top of their game. Join your host, podcaster, producer, expert coach, entrepreneur, and author, Dr. Summer Watson, as she aims to inspire and empower you through these candid conversations. Lean in and embrace the journey. It's time to start the show. Here's your host, Dr. Summer Watson. Today on the show, I would like to welcome Erin Marcus, who is the founder and CEO of Conquer Your Business, an international company helping driven entrepreneurs and small business owners get the financial and emotional freedom they need to build a business and a life they're proud of. She is also an international speaker and host of the podcast, Ready Yet. I'm so excited to have you here, Erin. So let's get right into this and welcome. Woohoo! Thank you so much. I'm excited about today. It's so great to chat with you, Summer. I'm excited to have you here. So before we delve into your professional journey, can you describe your personal life in one word thus far? One word thus far. The word that always comes to my mind is segmented. My life is so segmented. I went to grammar school. I went to high school with no one from my grammar school. I went to college with no one from my high school. Right. And then a lot of my jobs, even though I stayed in the Chicagoland area, geographically, I would move from the West suburbs to the city, to the North suburbs and different friends. And it's not that I don't have some contacts that have spanned that, but what I focused on, what the job was, who I was surrounded by each of those times was completely different groups of people. Wow. I love that word. That is just so cool. I think that's the first time I've heard that word. So thank you. You're welcome. And I think it really made a difference because, you know, if you add into that, that I went to grammar school and high school back in the seventies and eighties with people from 22 different countries. And then you have these randomly different segments of my life. I think that really is what led me to have the vast experience that I had which allows me to do what I do now, but also you learn that people are just people. You can talk to anybody. You enjoy people for who they are. Yeah. And it really, um, it's helped me do what I do now. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Because I was a military spouse for 21 years. We learned how to transition, but I also watched kids go from school to school. And many of my friends, peers had children and we watched them and we watched the kids transition and learn how to transition, learn how to create groups, be in groups, talk to others. So yes, I totally get what you're saying regarding segmented. And that is so cool because absolutely helps you in so many ways. Now that you've touched on that word and why that's meaningful to you, I want to get into what are a couple of key lessons that you learned throughout your personal and professional journey that helped you in your evolution to become the incredible business owner that you are and the founder of Conquer Your Business? So here's my big one. And this this goes across health, which is where it started for me. It also goes across finances, it goes across relationships, and it abs- it goes across your career. And it's part of the tagline of my company. And in a phrase, it's be in charge. 
It does not mean be in charge of anybody else. Like you seriously, I cannot tell you how much I have zero desire to control what anybody else does. Like this is not about controlling. It's be in charge. And it's what I consider next level personal responsibility. Because if you are not in charge of yourself, if you don't make decisions for you, then you give away the power of those decisions to people who are not vested in you. It doesn't make those people bad. It might be a doctor. Like in my world, this started with a health situation. I've had one, two, three, four life-saving surgeries before I was five years old. And if my mother wouldn't have interjected back in the 70s again, about what she wanted to have happen, the doctors would have made their decisions and we would have different outcomes. I have 110 stitches in my face. You don't even see scars because my mother stopped an emergency room doctor from patching up my face after a dog bite and insisted, wait a minute, is she stable? If she's stable, then we need a top pediatric surgeon, uh, plastic surgeon here. The, the doctor wasn't wrong. Right. The doctor. And I think that's a really important thing because it's very easy to claim victim. It's very easy to blame everyone else. And that is not what I'm talking about. It's just very simply. If you don't make decisions for you, you give away those decisions to other people. I worked for years with families with aging parents and I watched people refuse to have difficult conversations, refuse to take ownership of their situation, just procrastinate, procrastinate, and not do the things that put them in charge of their own lives, in charge of their family's outcomes. And as a result, if you don't make decisions for you, it doesn't mean those difficult conversations don't happen. It means that by the time they happen, you have no options. Everything's more expensive. You're under duress, which is never the time to make decisions. Right. So health, family, my job, I make I tease because there's this whole quiet quitting. Dude, I quit every job I hated. I don't get that. Like, why do we need a social movement to tell people if you're miserable, go do something else? Do things right? Like, do things need to change in corporate to be more accessible, to be more fair, to be absolutely fine. But I don't have to wait for those changes to happen before I'm happy in my life. I don't have time to wait for culture to catch up with what I think should happen. Well, there's so much that you have said here that I could piggyback on so easily. When I was six months of age, I had a hole in my small intestine and my mother was 19 when she had me. So she was still 19 when they found the hole in my small intestine. I was really sick and she kept taking me to the doctor and they said, oh my gosh, she's really sick. She's really, and they kept dismissing her. Right. She's got a stomach flu. She's got a cold. She's got a this. She's got a that. Well, the last time she took me into the doctor and she said, she's really sick. Guess what happened? I go into a coma. This is 1969, Anaheim, California. So then what happens? They rush me off to emergency surgery, exploratory surgery, and they find the hole and I'm septic. And from there on out, surgery after surgery, up to the age of 34. So I get it. It's it's the same thing. Mine was um, 1970, Chicago. So we're talking big cities. We're not talking lack of healthcare. We're talking big cities. Doctors getting, you know, 24 hours old is when I had my first surgery. And 
sometimes I, again, I absolutely agree. Medicine has to change so that women are taken seriously, but do not wait for that change to happen to rally to your own interest. And she was rallying. And I think because of all the rallying and continuing to go, yes, they got me into the emergency room, but here's the other thing. I've worked in medicine for years, emergency medicine, assessing people who are homicidal, suicidal, and gravely disabled. So I also get when you talk about reaction versus response, right? So we don't want to get to the reaction by not having those conversations that you mentioned. We want to get to the response. But a lot of times I think, Erin, for me and what I've seen in human behavior is People don't know how to have those difficult conversations. We've been conditioned to be passive about those conversations. There's a historical reference to a lot of this stuff, right? About conditioning, about where we're at as women, what we're told that we can and cannot do, and it's time to evolve. Well, and I think for me, what where I got lucky in the experience of that is... I've never bought into that, you know, good or bad. It has never occurred to me that the rules apply to me. It just <laughs> hasn't, right? Now, that being said, I also, and this is where I think people go wrong. If you want to claim the rules don't apply to you, that's fine. But then you also have to take full responsibility for your outcome. You can't play, you can't say the rules don't apply to me and then play victim and then wonder why you don't get what you want. If I, you know, I very strongly believe the rules don't apply to me, not like sensical rules of being considerate and paying your taxes. Like, that's not the problem. There's right and wrong. Right. But I mean, what's possible for me? It never occurred to me that anybody else's thoughts had any indication to what I was going to get or not get to do. However, I also have always completely embraced if it was going to happen, I was going to have to be the one to create it. And and that is really great insight. And yet I think that for the majority of people, because we've been conditioned by parents, clergy, caretakers, teachers, all of that, I think that's kind of molded people to think, well, I have to do it this way. If I don't do it this way, then I don't get this outcome where I've got to please this person or I'm not going to get this outcome. Well, so it's not the outcome. You just hit on it. It's the pleasing the people. It's really not, they think that the outcome is going to be what they want, but 99% of the time what I've watched is it's less about the outcome they want and more about rather than pleasing somebody, I'll even flip it. I'll say not upsetting somebody. When I say outcome, what I'm saying is what their perceived outcome is, right? Totally. And, And that's all they can base it on is what the road has been like with family and friends So they gauge it off of experiences. Totally. And I think the, you know, and that leads to also when I left corporate and started my own business, the hardest thing was that I didn't expect the problem. The true problem I had in, you know, getting my business going had nothing to do with business. Because I had this amazing career, accolades, bonuses, yay, Aaron, you know, great, 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 great. And so I thought, okay, well, I'm going to go into this entrepreneur world and it's going to be the same thing. 
because Aaron's so smart, because look, otherwise I wouldn't have gotten the boat, right? And so I had this story in my head of what made me successful. And then the realization was I wasn't successful because I was just so brilliant. I was successful because I did a great job on a very narrow path that somebody else created. And once I lost external validation from bosses and team members, and once I lost the very narrow path that somebody else created, that's when all the crap creeps in. You know, the stories about money and the stories about what's possible and all those subconscious beliefs and all the imposter syndrome. And, you know, I, I say the bumpers come out of the gutters and the wheels come off the bus and it all happens all at once. And what I didn't expect was the hard work I had to do. And there's a reason I call it the hard work was on my thought processes. And the reason it's the hard work is because you can't buy it. You can buy marketing. You can buy business strategy. You can buy salespeople. You can spend money and get amazing, amazing, great people and products that solve those problems for you. But you cannot purchase, you cannot throw enough money at the way that you think. That's not what solves it. I want to tap back into something that you continue to say is lost you didn't really lose it. You made a choice, right? So you made a choice to leave corporate and you made a choice to become an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So you had all these incredible skills, but now you were going to apply them differently because being an entrepreneur compared to working for somebody else, that structure, that construct is created already for you. It's created. And no matter how autonomous your job, I was senior vice president of business development. I didn't have to worry about PTO. I had an expense account. Like you can't get much more autonomous. I didn't even have a team because I was the only one doing it. Like I had no obligations, right? You can't get more autonomous than I was in my role. And yet the realization was you're still just a part of a process. Let's talk about what you're building, conquer your business. Tell us more about your business and what you've developed. So what I love doing for people is kind of like what we've been talking about, but then let's put the tactics together. I do enough success mindset. I call it street level mindset. I'm not, right? I'm not the puppies and rainbows and unicorns version of mindset. I want you to be happy. Don't get me wrong. You'll be happy. But I do infuse in what I do. What do I need to do to get out of my own way to do what I said I wanted to do? Like we give you tips on that. But the real change that I help create is get solopreneurs and entrepreneurs over the bridge and into business owner. Away from I'm trying to do a thing. I'm just trying to do this thing over here and into business owner. So it's a very heavy emphasis on branding, marketing and business strategy with the support. And this is where I think um, some of the difference is. I've had enough of my own journey and training and studying on the mindset support that helps you get over the bridge, right? So it's not just the tactical, because one of the mistakes I watch people make is they do random acts of marketing, they do random acts of business, they throw things at the wall to see what'll stick, but they have no strategy, right? They're, they're, because they're not sure what to do, and why would they be? They don't, they know how to do what their business does, not know how to grow a business, two completely different things. So they fall victim to Insta tactics, 
here, just do this one thing. But they've never put the strategy together to look at their strengths, the things that they don't want to do. Like, what do you hate doing? Let's not do those things. Like, we don't become an entrepreneur to be miserable. I didn't quit the six-figure income and expense account to be miserable. So we put the business strategy together. And then the other big problem that I watch small business owners have is the implementation. Because by the time they get to me, they're often out of hours in the day, they're out of days in the week, and they can't wrap their mind around how am I going to do more work? And they can't. That's not the goal. So we get the implementation of the branding, of the website, of the logo, of the content, of the messaging, of the marketing plan, so that they can actually go do the things. And we also back it up with the processes that people need to make their business scalable, sustainable. I call it, you get to rent my COO. You can't keep her, but you can rent her for a while, right? And we will build those systems and give them back to you and teach your team how to use them. Oh, brava. I love that. Time management, planning, first steps, all of that great stuff. I love the strategy because it works. It works. And if you're doing those Insta things, as you call them. Insta tactics. What do you call it? (laughs) Insta tactics. I made it up. It it doesn't work. You're just kind of throwing. You're kind of throwing. You're kind of throwing at the wall to see what works. Not a good tactic. No, you run out of money. You run out of money before you, it's not that they're bad, by the way, none of those tactics are wrong. It's just, is it the right time for you and your business? Absolutely. So let's move on. I wanted to ask you, what would you say is the entrepreneurial secret to developing a thriving business? And I think you've kind of touched on that already, but I want you to kind of nail that down for us. The, in a word, hyphenated word, two words. Hyphenated word. We're going to hyphenate it, make it one word, reverse engineer. Tell the listeners more about what that is and how to, how to actually apply that. There's a book, there's a phrase. This is not my unique phrase. Start with the end in mind, right? Most people don't know what they want. They don't know what they're creating. They don't know where they're going. The analogy I use, if you've read the book, Good to Great, right? That's a big case study book when you get your MBA. And there's a whole chapter on put the right people on the bus, right? We've heard this before. Put the right people in the right seats on the bus. Yeah, here's the deal. People won't get on a bus if they don't know where it's going. Reverse engineer. What are you trying to create? It's not a dollar. It's not only a dollar amount. People usually, well, I want to make 100K. I want to make 500K. I want to make a million dollars. That's great. How are you going to do that, right? And if you don't reverse engineer, this is where you find these mismatched business practices of, well, I want to make a half million dollars, but I'm charging $47 for my product and I don't want to hire a team because I don't want to be in charge of anybody. Like none of that goes together. None of that goes together. It's not, they set themselves up for failure. So whether it's how many hours you want to work, what type of marketing you want to do, how much money you want to make, what type of people do you want to serve? It all has to start with what do you want? What do you want? And then we reverse engineer how to create it intentionally, but it always goes backwards. Mm. Love that. Thank you so much for describing that for the listeners. So you also have a podcast. Can you touch on that, which is called Ready Yet and where people can listen? 
Sure. So it's called ready yet because that is a phrase that I use in my sales conversations. That's where that came from when I would have these amazing conversations with people and they would tell me how hard of a time they were having, how frustrated they were, how overwhelmed they were. And just in the course of a sales conversation, because I'm very conversational in my sales conversations, I would find myself saying to them, well, are you ready yet? Like, can we be done with feeling that way? Is it time? Like, can we just let go of that? Are you ready to like not feel that way, not have that problem? And so that became the name of the podcast because the tagline is you'll never do what it takes until you become the person it takes to do it. Mm, That is great. So you just mentioned something that I want to ask you. You talk about putting the conversation in your sales conversation being the key to high integrity, high ticket sales. Tell us more. So this also comes out of my background in financial services. And I I watch financial planners make this mistake, not financial planners, but people in the financial world is where my introduction to this mistake um, started, where they go into a conversation with a prospect already deciding before they even open the door, open the conversation, start the Zoom as it is, um, what they're going to sell this person. That's not sales. That's your objective. Sales is of service. Sales is problem solving. And you can't do any of that if you walk in the door already deciding what's going to happen before you even talk to somebody. So the truth is that sales is a conversation. Sales is questions and a conversation. And it's listen, 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 ask, 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 ask better questions. Every decision that we purchase, every time we make a purchasing decision, it is an emotional decision that we justify with logic. And you're not going to get to any of that if you don't ask questions. So I don't assume, right? I'm going, my conversations for sales are just conversations. And the objective is to figure out How can we help each other? How can we work together? What's possible here? Because sometimes the best thing I can do for you is to refer you to someone else. I'm a phenomenologist by trade. So that essentially means finding out about somebody's lived experience. Yeah. That's the story. So we do qualitative and quantitative research in science, right? And for me, that qualitative research is so meaningful because it's the story. It's the story that you're talking about. It's getting to the emotion. It's connecting with that person. It's understanding what their passion, purpose, and impact are or what they want that to be Yes, and how they apply that as an entrepreneur. So I love what you're talking about here because it is so important and so critical that people tap into that emotion and connect with their potential consumer, right? Well, and here's the other thing. It can be very self-serving because you know what else having that type of conversation does? Like there's a few benefits for the person leading that conversation. Number one, I don't use the word overcoming objections because overcoming objections implies one of us is going to win and one of us is going to lose. I call responding to your responses. So if you do the first half of this conversation well, you'll have a higher quote unquote closing rate because you're never even going to make an offer to someone who's a bad fit. By the time you're making an offer of working together, you should already know is this person a good fit? Because that's also the other self-serving aspect of this. I don't work with people who I don't like and they won't like me. Because I'm very direct. 
And I'm a big action taker. And I'm not mean about it because I believe me, I have all the empathy in the world, having been through my own journey of what we're, you know, we're up against neuroscience here as entrepreneurs. We're up against limiting beliefs and subconscious programming and habit ruts. And this, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it, right? So I have all the empathy in the world. That being said, that first part of a sales conversation kind of lets us both know, are we even going to be able to have the connection it takes to do the type of work that I do? And when you're in high ticket consultative relationship building services, you want to know that going in because I got to know ahead of time, what are you going to do when this gets hard? Are you going to bail? Are you going to blame me? Or are we going to double down and figure it out? We've covered so much today in a short amount of time. We could talk for a long time. I know this. More of these. Absolutely. <laughs> so, <laughs> so as we come to the close of the interview, my last question is, if you were to leave the listeners with one tip to support their journey, what would it be? So here's what I do every day. And it's kind of a culmination of all the things we've talked about. This is my daily practice. This is my journaling practice. It starts with what do you want? So odds are it's, what do I want that day? What do I want? It could be if I got something going on, family relationship, what do I want? Whatever is not working right now, right? So we figure whatever is not working right now, what do I want? Write it out. Then there's three questions. What do I got to do? Who do I need to be? And what do I need to believe in order to get what I want? Mm. And I, here's the thing, sometimes for a week, it's the same thing, but I write it out every day. What do I want for whatever's not working? What do I want? What do I got to do? Who do I have to be? The answer to that one is usually a little more brave. <laughs> the thing I usually need to be is a little more brave, right? So what do I want? And then what do I got to do? Who do I need to be? And what do I need to believe in order to make it happen? Mm. Love that tip. And thank you, Erin, for joining me on the Core Women podcast today. Thank you so much for having me here. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. You can follow Erin Marcus on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. You can catch her podcast, Ready Yet, on most podcast platforms. And to learn more about Erin, go to conqueryourbusiness.com. Thank you for joining us on the Core Women Podcast with Dr. Summer Watson. We're so glad you're here and would love to connect more with you. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Core Women and on Twitter at Core Women One. For more about Core Women and Dr. Watson, visit corewomen.com. Want more support and resources for amazing women like you? Great. Join Dr. Watson and Jen Fontanilla at the Life, Love, and Money Collective, a core women production that aids in understanding the key traits that might be getting in the way of living a life that you are absolutely passionate about. Connect with Summer and Jen and find out more at thelifeloveandmoney.com.